Welcome to the Wonderful Leaders Podcast, a place for Christian entrepreneurs and leaders to be encouraged and inspired to grow in your personal and organizational leadership. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Wonderful Leaders Podcast. And I've um, got an amazing guest today who is Anthony Canada or Canada who's a CMO at Hopin. And if you haven't heard of Hopin, where have you been? It's the leading virtual event and digital experience company. And I know Hopin from both being a client, having tested it in the past. I've got friends who work there and now I've got to get to spend some time with Anthony, which is a huge privilege. Anthony's, you know, I'll share a bit of a story in a minute, going through a super fast growth phase. So he'll t- share a little bit of that with us. But previously, he was the CMO at Front and also the founding CMO of Gainsight, where he's credited with creating the customer success category, which like if you're in my world, you hear that all the time, customer success, customer success. So here we go. Here's the man, the brains behind it, which was a, a kind of a novel business imperative, profession and software category. Anthony published his marketing playbook at Gainsight with Wiley in 2019 in a book titled Category Creation, How to Build a Brand that Customers, employees and investors will love that is very cool what great title he's also worked at box live office and Symantec, and serves as an active investor advisor and board member to enterprise software startups around the globe so anthony welcome to the podcast thanks so much appreciate having me on yeah great to have you on and so just just as we're kind of starting off tell us a little bit about yourself and what your leadership life looks like yeah so um you know, uh, professionally, at least I, I, you know, thanks for uh, walking through my bio there, but the, the, you know, my, most of my time is today spent at Hopin, um, you know, where I'm leading marketing, really building kind of the marketing function uh, there. And so a lot of that, you know, is, is building, you know, bringing the right people on board and ensuring that they have the right um, resources and the ability to execute and kind of build their strategy. I think, you know, at Hopin, when I think about my leadership style, it's not one that's, um, I don't know, micromanaging or in, in a lot of the minute details, but just finding great people who are experts in their field and putting them in a position to to be successful and win and being their kind of strategic, you know, partner along the way. Um, so I think that's kind of a big part of it. Um, also, you know, you mentioned a couple other kind of extracurricular things in terms of advisories and, and you know, being an investor in a few companies. So helping to just find folks in my network that um, have reached out that um, are trying to either build a category or trying to get advice on, on marketing. Um, and just, you know, those were th- conversations as I was kind of coming up, you know, in my career that folks were willing to take um, to, to uh, let me in on and kind of uh, buy them a cup of coffee and, you know, learn from folks that came before. So I've always viewed that as a, um, not just an opportunity, but something that that is worth kind of saying yes to those meetings, saying yes to those uh, moments, and give, have a chance to pay it back to um, others that are are building. Um, and finally, at home, I mean, I am a, a father of two young kids, I'm a husband, and you know, I I have to, um, you know, as we think about the broader sense of uh, of life, that's probably my most important leadership opportunity and moment. Right. Um, trying to, uh, you know, raise a family in, in this world and uh, ensure that my kids are set up for, for success, that they're able to, you know, live out their potential and um, give them a great, hopefully, great home, uh, home that they can kind of, you know, be uh, be brought up in. 
Awesome, awesome. And Anthony, you're a relatively young man. I'm sure <laughs> after kids, you feel a little bit older. I do. You've already <laughs> had such a, you know, and a fantastic, incredible career, which has kind of skyrocketed you in several directions, but obviously focused around marketing. But tell us a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey. Like, how did it start? And how did you get to yeah. where you are today? Yeah, I'll try to keep it short because it's a long one, but um, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do when I graduated college um, or at the time I was looking at, at finishing university. Um, I had a signal in that I loved studying abroad. I loved, we had a, I had a chance to grow to uh, Florence, Italy um, and study for, for a semester there and just loved that experience. Um, and I, I t- when my dad uh, was asking me, like, what are you going to do when you graduate? Like, what's going on? My joke became, I'm just going to, travel and get paid for it. That's going to be my, my profession. And of course today with Instagram and travel bloggers and all that, that's like a real thing. But back in 2008, you know, that wasn't the case. And so I started inspecting this idea of the Fromers travel guides. You remember those, the Rick Steves books and all these others. And the idea was that those were written for a different audience. I was written for um, folks that had a lot of money and budget and they want to go to the Ritz Carlton in Paris. Right. And they, they, uh, sort of ostracized the um, young student travelers who couldn't afford all those things. And so I found stumbled into technology because I wanted to build a startup um, called Social Abroad. I still have the domain. Uh, that's all that's <laughs> left of it at this point. Um, uh, that helped us help students and youth travelers get the most value out of their experiences when traveling abroad. So that's sort of what got me into it. I learned how to build a deck. I learned how to shop an idea. Um, I learned how to reach out to my LinkedIn network and get folks to take a coffee meeting, as I mentioned kind of earlier. So those were a few of the, the early seeds uh, of my of, of what got me down this path. Um, I then needed a, I needed to pay the bills. I needed to, to be able to afford life uh, while working on this concept. So I um, wanted to moonlight on this. And so I got a job with a, a, a small file sharing startup in Palo Alto, about 30 people called Box at the time, Box.net. Um, and frankly, that was that was my introduction to enterprise software, to SaaS. Um, I don't think any of us have grown up saying we dream of being in software as a service one day. We find <laughs> our way into, into this, this, into the cloud, right? Into the, this profession. And so for me, Box was really the introduction to, to startup life, an introduction to you know enterprise SaaS, as I mentioned. And so as uh, my entrepreneurial dream was sort of starting to you know get a little muddled, and you know the uh, that whole kind of uh, the idea started kind of going back on the shelf. Uh, Box was taking off and and doing really well. So uh, moved to Silicon Valley, obviously for that move. Um, and since then, it's been kind of a roller coaster. So. Box, uh, I, I left eventually and joined a company called Live Office that we sold to Symantec. Um, I transitioned from a sales uh, business development uh, function to product and learned how to uh, uh, really develop empathy for customers, translate that into requirements that an engineering team can go and build against. Um, and so moved into that product kind of motion. And then uh, my, my CEO from Live Office took a chance on me and asked me, you know, hey, what do you think about marketing? And he gave me a shot with this company that would eventually become Gainsight. And that's really where uh, it was my first introduction to marketing. It's where I got my 10,000 hours, I, I like to say, uh, you know, about seven years of building Gainsight um, from, you know, nothing from a or very little bit of revenue, a few handful of customers to over 100 million of ARR, sold it, you know, eventually to Vista for 1.1 billion. Um, and, you know, I look back fondly on that experience as, you know, one of the most, um, 
you know, incredible and fulfilling professional experiences of my life. So long story, uh, but, you know, and then eventually kind of, you know, found my way here to hop in and a chance to kind of do it all over again on a really, really, you know, materially big scale. That's incredible. What an incredible journey. Yeah, that brings us up to hop in. And obviously we were talking pre-recorded just about the rapid growth that hop yeah. in's going through. I mean, you know, from my perspective, you see it online, you can see the hiring <laughs> and the, 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 just some of the events and the content yeah. that's going on is phenomenal. What, what's what been some of the kind of milestones within, within that so far, both for you personally and within the business and kind of what's coming up? Yeah. Um, you know, there are several, I mean, the, the, to your point, the business is about 15 months old. Uh, wow, I, I think, two, yeah, two years in terms of, of when we were incorporated, but I think you know, they were kind of incubating the, the product and it was kind of very early days, but it was about March, um, 2020, February, March, where I think we was our sort of public wow. launch. Um, and so the milestones have come quick. Um, and I think the big reason for that, obviously, is event organizers and producers had their shows, they had to bring them online. There had to be an alternative solution as the world shut down. So we had quite a bit of, of tailwind from, from that perspective. Um, and so, you know, I can rattle off a few of these, but raised over $565 million through a series D. Um, so the company is, you know, well capitalized from that perspective. Um, we're getting close to 600 employees. Um, and again, in about 15 months and the big hack there was, um, the remote kind of nature of, of, of how we found talent. And so we're in 42 different countries uh, as an employee base, um, which helped us kind of find great talent wherever they are. Um, and then, you know, we're, we're not shy. We often talk about our, our, our revenue, which yeah, I know it's kind of new. It's not something we, we, we often do, but, you know, we're getting pretty close to hundred million of ARR um, yeah, really? within this short time frame, wow. which, which would put, you know, which would put us, I think on the map as, you know, the fastest growing SaaS company of all time. And the, you know, these are milestones and these are interesting, important. I think they're, they look good on a, on a sales deck and, and that sort of thing. But at the end of the day, I think what's really interesting is, kind of the the innovation that we're seeing our customers and seeing the market of event organizers and event producers really, really um, come up with. And to me, it speaks to a bit to my own kind of personal conviction here. The um, For too long, events have been rather exclusive to either folks that lived in a certain city or folks that had the means to travel to that city. Um, and, you know, we uh, learned through the pandemic that we needed to sort of break that 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 idea and make community building, community engagement much more accessible. You know, there's folks that, um, like our founder, who, you know, he had developed an autoimmune disease that prevented him from engaging in person with folks um, uh, in, in their communities. There's others that have family responsibilities or, you know, economic, you know, financial hardship that can't get on the plane, that can't, you know, make it to, to the conference. And so, what I'm most excited about is as this, as we reopen, as the industry is getting reinvented, um, we think there's a future where um, we can make the world feel just a little bit smaller um, by being able to make these communities much more accessible than they were before. So not sure uh, kind of what milestone we contribute to that. One, perhaps, you know, we have over 100,000 of these events um, that have, have happened in the last 15 months um, that have made their communities more smaller. So I think we're well on our way uh, to uh, achieving that mission. That's phenomenal. What an incredible, what an incredible story so far. And I know there's lots coming up as well. It feels totally. like you guys are just, in a sense, because you're so young, but you, you've scaled so quickly, but it feels like you're still ramping up. It is. It's still in that <laughs> ramp up phase yes. of scaling, let alone the kind of maturity phase. 
it's a very weird um, paradigm. It's something very weird to reconcile in our heads because yes, the growth, you know, has been, has been, you know, great, but we're still implementing some of the basics on the marketing side. So I've been there about three months now. Um, and we're still, you know, implementing our marketing automation systems or getting lead scoring. Right. And so for any marketers on the call, uh, oh, excuse me, who are listening, um, you can appreciate that some of the things you typically do pre series a are almost in your, your, your kind of earliest days of operations. Um, we're still doing those things now. Um, but to me, that gives me a lot of, uh, it makes me really excited because since so much of the growth has been organic from a word of mouth perspective and folks that saw the product, and then they went on to become organizers, which is, is some you know, speaks to the, the the virality kind of built within the the product. Um, what if you know we can go and and build a great you know marketing engine, content marketing, you know build community, do a lot of our own event programs? I think that you know we can um, accelerate our mission uh, even faster wow. um, by by really unlocking some of these um, some things that are basic, uh, you know, that we need to get right, but other things that I think we have a, a lot of room to innovate. That's awesome. That's brilliant. Now, Anthony, we could, you know, between you and I, we could talk about hopping and tech and SaaS all day long. But yeah. I want to, I want to segue now a little bit and just talk. Tell us a little bit about your kind of journey of faith. You know, yeah. where did it start? What's that journey look like? Yeah. So I, um, you know, I grew up in a, a Christian home, um, and so you know, for my earliest days, I'd say, um, you know, this, this idea of, um, of belief, you know, in, in God, this idea of, um, of prayer and kind of building kind of the ry- rhythms within our life to align, uh, towards, uh, um, towards, f- uh, our, uh, faith, uh, have been a core part of, of who I am. And I think a big part of it too. So I, you know, I owe a lot of that credit to my mom, you know, who's, uh, uh, you know, kind of raised me, you know, mostly and, and kind of the decisions she made early in my life to kind of surround me with community. So big part of it was, you know, and again, everyone I think has a different journey, but, you know, Christian education was a big part of it for me too. So from preschool to through college, uh, I, right. you know, it was part of, um, uh, uh, you know, Christian education, Christian high school and university. So I think that uh, really helped me kind of uh, ensure that, you know, I kept the, the right kind of company that, you know, I, um, I pursued developing my own faith and not just the faith of my parents, um, that, that was handed to me. Um, and honestly, and like, like everything with, with university, even being tested and, and kind of building that, um, building that out, um, uh, even better now after college, I think is where, you know, I moved to Silicon Valley, got out of my bubble. Um, and you know, what we talk a lot about, um, and some of these kind of, uh, community groups that I'm part of in, in the Bay Area is that the Bay Area is the center of the world from an innovation perspective, but it's also the most unchurched region um, of the country. Um, and so there's, it, it definitely uh, caused me to sort of put my, my, um, uh, my faith in action and make sure I was able to walk the walk and not just uh, claim to be a believer, um, but also be able to, um, to ask some hard questions. And that was really where I, and there was a moment in particular that stands out to me where I was sort of feeling kind of just defeated from the world a little bit, overwhelmed by the fact that, um, you know, if people at work knew I was a Christian, like they would assume certain things about me, they would, you know, make some judgments or think that I think a certain way. Um, and that it was deemed like, 
you know, almost like inappropriate to, to, to be, a, to be a believer. I felt really defeated. And I was talking to a friend of mine at, at church, um, at the church I, I attended. And he said, his reaction was, um, man, what an opportunity, what a mission field this is. Um, and I, that perspective shift for me kind of changed everything. And I realized then and there that I think there's an opportunity to be a little bit more vocal, maybe not, you know, like in a crazy way, but to, to start like living my faith out loud a little bit more, um, letting it encroach in the workplace a little bit, not to, again, to the point of, I forget the term, um, proselytizing, proselytizing, proselytizing folks, you know, and crossing any perhaps HR boundaries or anything along those lines, but just having folks know that, Hey, Anthony's a a Christian or he's a man of faith. And, you know, that leads me, I think, to some opportunity to, um, to live it out a bit more and, and, um, at work, which it was led to, I think some, some pretty interesting conversations. So have you, have you found that part of your journey has been able to express yourself and express your faith in your workplace environment, just in everyday conversations and just reflecting who you are? Yeah. I I view it on two dimensions, um, sort of implicit, uh, evangelism and, um, explicit. So, and, and maybe a little bit of just straight fellowship, um, which I've been able to find opportunity for that implicitly, you know, we're called to do great work as Christians. And I, I reference um, Tim Keller's Every Good Endeavor, which is such a good book to just um, hit on the, the, this idea. But I, I want folks who, um, and so by the way, like one thing I've done is I put believer on my Twitter profile, Twitter bio, which is such like a nothing. It took me no courage to do that. But I, I've gotten notes from people that are like, oh my gosh, like you're, you're, you're professing, you know, you're, you're, you're eight, you're saying that you're a Christian in tech, like that's refreshing. Like, thank you. I, I don't feel comfortable doing that yet. And so uh, it's amazing how God works. Just like planting one little seed and, and, and seeing kind of what, what can come from that. But everyone would look, I guess would look me up on Twitter or whatever can see that um, including people I work with every day. And so I have an opportunity to just, to just implicitly show them that, I can be a believer and I can be a world-class marketer that I can be a, a leader. Um, I can be someone who lives his values. And I think it comes with a little bit of extra accountability and that um, you're sort of representing the, 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 the body of Christ here and, and, and your day-to-day action. And so I, I, I feel that and it, it sort of uh, inspires me more than anything to try to live my values every single day. So I think that's the implicit side explicitly, you know, I, I mentioned the Twitter bio thing. Um, I've mentioned or I, I, at Gainsight, I had it in my uh, management bio on the website. I said, I'm a Christian. So, you know, these are things that I'm just, I try not to be shy uh, from, you know, this, this podcast, like wanting to, you know, come on and, and just talk about this um, without fear of, you know, uh, you know, anyone like thinking, uh, uh, you know, differently about me. Um I found that through different initiatives going on right now in the workplace, particularly around um, DEI, mm-hmm. um, diversity, um, equality, and inclusion, um, that there's an opportunity. There, there's been a discussion coming up around faith diversity, um, and yeah. I found that that's been an interesting sort of foot in the door to create, you know, things like employee resource groups. Um, and so, in the last few companies, we've had like a Christians at Gainsight, a Christians at um, Front type of um, Slack channel type of thing. And it's just awesome. a chance to just encourage each other, fellowship with each other and be a bit more, um, I guess, um, 
doing life with um with folks in, uh, that we're working with so you know i'm not perfect like i like I, to be honest with you as you can tell i i, I struggle to even talk about it sometimes it, it's a personal journey for me but i've just i think it's important for me to like find the words to to speak on it because i don't think there's enough of us talking about how to live out our faith at work or at least in a way that's hyper practical um with with what life is throwing at us what culture is throwing at us today yeah, absolutely. And I really appreciate, you know, a couple of things. Firstly, appreciate you coming on the podcast and being able to share <laughs> totally. like this. And secondly, just something back to you. Um, I know someone that obviously knows of you. I think a lot of people in the marketing world know your name. <laughs> and they actually were on your Twitter profile. Oh, and yeah. they mentioned it to me a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> They're like, yeah, this Anthony Canada. He's got like believer on his Twitter profile. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm podcasting them in a couple of weeks. <laughs> That's awesome. Like, you know, That's so awesome. Honestly, like a, you know, um, you know, a sort of a, a random but a separate conversation yeah. to this. So I can testify Amazing. that people do see that. And I think, you know, just lastly, I think, you know, in the, in the world that, you know, the environment we find ourselves in, being able to be that voice and, and reason the DEI, diversity, equality, yeah. inclusion, reason it from a faith perspective is so important. And yeah. I'm really hoping just what you shared there is an encouragement to entrepreneurs, marketplace leaders, you know, tackle those topics from the perspective of yeah. faith as well, because it's all part of that conversation, isn't it? Totally. Too often we separate the faith from that diversity and inclusion conversation. Yeah. And it exactly. Should be, yeah, it should be part of it, right? Yeah. The whole notion of it is how do we bring our whole selves to work? Yeah. That's and obviously right. that crosses so many different spectrums, you know, including, you know, you name it, right? Like there's yeah. a long list. Um, I can't separate my faith from, I can't check it at the door. It's not, it's not something you can just leave behind, right? It's an expression. It's the filter by which I live my life. And so you can't ask me to like not bring my Christianity, not bring my religion, not bring my faith, whatever word we want to use into work. You get it by hiring me. And like the other kind of, aspects of, of D and I, we don't expect our employees to not be themselves, to not feel comfortable, not feel included and equitable with other members of, of, of our team. Um, so I, I find that it, it's somewhat a somewhat controversial in a way. And, and I hope I, I kind of, you know, wish that it wasn't, but I, I do think if you are a champion of diversity you have to accept faith diversity into, into the workplace love that absolutely brilliant spot on well anthony i'm gonna ask you a very very different question now. yeah yeah but um as like an entrepreneur and a marketing leader what kind of inspires you because people like you think differently <laughs> uh you know i think what inspires me is both dreaming a big dream so seeing something that hasn't been done before right and being able to visualize it but then actually engineering it into reality. Um, so we used a word, we borrowed a word from Disney at my last company, uh, Gainsight, excuse me, uh, Imagineering, yeah. which was so such a weird but powerful concept. This idea that we can like dream, we can try to like concept the impossible, but concepting and leaving it on a whiteboard is not enough. Like we have to find a way to make that into a reality. So that's what inspires me um, as a marketer. And to me, at least, and I work in, again, B2B software, the inspiration doesn't come from other B2B software companies. It comes from the consumer world or things that, you know, we're I'm paying attention to in, in culture and other areas. Um, so, you know, Disney is amazingly inspiring. 
Uh, weirdly enough, late night television has been inspiring to me. Like we started doing a carpool karaoke segment with enterprise SaaS CEOs a while ago and things along those lines. So, right. um, but you know, I, I, I think the interesting component of that is in the past, what we're talking about here is brand, brand campaigns. And, you know, as a CMO, you know, brand's important, but I think for a lot of startups or entrepreneurs, like, yeah, brand is the thing we'll get to eventually. Right now I need growth. I need demand. I need hit that that number. And I think for the first time, maybe ever, uh, those two things are now uh, inextricably linked. In order to build a sustainable revenue engine, you have to be able to build an emotional connection with your market, with your community. Um, and that happens by building a, a brand and engaging with your community through it. Um, so I think that's the part that's really exciting for me is I think we can dream these dreams and not just drive impressions anymore or drive like social media engagement. We can actually drive revenue through it too. Brilliant. And just kind of, you know, I want to just spend a few minutes maybe just drilling around the whole area of leadership and, you know, you've, you've both, you know, professionally, you've obviously mentioned personal leadership, but yeah. professionally, you've had a number of different leadership roles. So what are some of those kind of leadership keys or principles that you hold on to, both in your personal life and or professional life? Um, I think a few. So I, I, I fundamentally think that the while my inspiration might be the the unseen and create, creating something that hasn't been created before and those types of things, I think that the reason I'm in it, the reason I'm in business and um, continue to want to be in it is the people. Um, so I, I almost equally find inspiration, if I could edit my last response <laughs> with the creating that and building great teams and seeing that team go on and do something meaningful is probably one of the most fulfilling parts of business, uh, at least that I've seen. Um, and so I think that comes with this people centricity, this empathy um, uh, is sort of one side of the coin. The other for me personally is the ambition, um, wanting to make sure that those, you know, we find great folks who are committed to the values of the company, who are, you know, great people leaders themselves or, or aspiring people leaders um, but that also are willing to, to dream big, are willing to um, shoot for the stars. And it's kind of cheesy maybe, but um, I found that those are folks, those are environments that I've, I've been drawn to and ones that I think have, um, have ultimately been able to um, be pretty impactful in the world. Um, so I think that's a part of it. The, the other piece, you know, I mentioned autonomy is important. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'll never claim to be the expert on, on a topic, I think, you know, believing this idea that, hey, the best idea wins, even if you're, you know, fresh out of school or you've been doing this for, for 20, 30 years, either way, um, having enough humility to know that, you know, there might be a better idea in the room right. um, is, I think, an important one. Um, and then maybe lastly, just I, I've found, you know, communities as an extension of, um of, of leadership from, uh, to be pretty important in the sense of how can I tap my network of people I've met along the way to help enrich, you know, the, perhaps the careers of folks on my team today, how can I kind of be that Gladwellian connector that just brings people together and, you know, um, who might have interest in, in meeting or, you know, might be like-minded. Um, so I think that one of the benefits of kind of growing up professionally in Silicon Valley is the network that I've been able to build now being living elsewhere, maintaining those relationships, but then 
being able to kind of pull the right people um, and introduce the right people who, who might need it along the way. So, I mean, those are just some of the things. I mean, most right. of those are professional, uh, obviously. Like on the personal side, you know, I think I'm definitely not the same leader at home that I am at work. It's, it's, I take on a much different role. My wife is my leader. It's kind of how I think about it sometimes. <laughs> just do what she says, and and I, I, I tend to be okay. That's but, wisdom, um, brother. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but having kids, I think, has really been a, a, a huge shift for me because I, I know they're watching, and I know they see and they learn and they're adapting and they're understanding kind of, you know, what does it mean to be a, an adult, to maybe to be a man, to be a, a father or husband. And so yeah. I definitely carry that um, responsibility of just making sure I, I show up, making sure my actions are in line with um, the principles I'd want them to learn. And um, yeah, that's, that's kind of the, the, the recipe I've sort of ascribed awesome. to at home so far. No, that's brilliant. And, you know, what are some of those, you know, as, as you journey through life and in, in different career paths at home and in different environments, you learn some, you learn some lessons along the way from the way things shouldn't be done as much as you do from the way things should be done. Yeah. Can you give any, or can you think of any kind of leadership lessons that you've learned on your journey so far? Yeah, I think um, there's one thing that keeps sort of coming up a, a theme in my life and I, it, it's seasonal. I feel like it comes and goes. Um, but I start getting pretty deeply into work and, um, like all of us uh, as entrepreneurs or as folks that are, are building a, a company and in those, in the moments that I get very deep in work and I don't do a good job setting boundaries for my personal life, um, I find a few things happen first as maybe a leading indicator is I start living by my calendar my calendar tells me how I live my life versus me using that as a tool to design uh, guardrails for time. Um, and so what happens then is I'm overworking and I am working late and I'm not spending time, you know, that I need to be spending elsewhere and, you know, self-care and all of the different things that we need to, to be balanced and whole. Um, and so when that happens, you know, obviously get burned out, um, you know, work productivity can get impacted. I found for me personally, my anxiety is actually triggered a lot more. Um, and so, which obviously impacts me at home and my personal life and being able to show up, uh, to my family, like, like they, you know, would want me to, or need me to. So that all actually came to a, a head, um, without going too deep into this, um, about a year and a half ago, where I actually had a health scare that right. came up. I don't know if it was, it's probably not, um, caused by this it might it might have just been circumstantial frankly i believe it was god showing me that um hey you've got to reset a little bit of your priorities um and long story short i developed this like heart arrhythmia that um uh basically you know made it very like i couldn't drink caffeine for a while i'm only starting to now again very slowly wow. um you know and uh, cut out alcohol. I haven't had any wine for a long time, uh, about a year and a half now. Um, and, you know, had to like really get better focused about my sleep habits and all these types of things. And uh, literally it was um, the treatment, had I not converted back to the regular heart rhythm was to have a, a shock put on your heart, on your heart to like reset your heart. Wow. Um, and I was at the hospital and they were about to re literally reset my heart. And they realized that my heart in that moment went back into the right rhythm. And I view that as 
literally God resetting my heart. It was like a beautiful like metaphor. Maybe I'm a marketer and I'm, I'm taking this to like another level, but like God reset my heart in that moment of, Hey, I need to really like have the right types of boundaries. I need to really embrace my, my relationship at home, relationships at home and not let work over, uh, not over index on work. Um, And so I've tried to, I, I think on that, quite a bit in that experience it's still fresh there's still a little bit of trauma aligned with it um but um it's 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 god intervening in my life wow. and is, is how i interpret it at least um and so i've been trying to live in, in a reset kind of heart mode now for the last year and a half wow that's a that's a that's a big lesson that's that's massive thank you for sharing that and yeah, yeah. We, really, we really trust obviously both before healing and and that that lesson becomes a powerful part of your testimony. So that's totally. incredible. Thank you for sharing that. And just in terms of kind of, you know, you, you, you must have worked with some incredible leaders and seen leaders around you in terms of being in the Valley, as you said, and yeah. just working with some, you know, huge growth startups. What are some of those, what kind of leaders do you look up to specifically or generally and yeah. who, or who have you learned from, you know, who's helped, who's kind of been a bit of a, a waypoint for you? Yeah. The one that um, always sticks out for me is my CEO at Gainsight, Nick Maida. Um, he was my CEO at Live Office, and then he, you know, was building this company that would become Gainsight. And the first phone call he made was for me, and I was like 25 at the time. And he asked me if I wanted to talk to him about potentially coming on board and, and starting this this business. Um, so, you know, in many ways, first of all, he made my career happen by giving me that opportunity. Um, and you know, he knows this, so yeah, how deeply I I appreciate, um, that opportunity. Um, but I've tried to model a lot of my, uh, and by the way, you know, he's not a believer, but he is one of the most values driven, um, you know, culturally like, you know, poignant, um, execs I've ever met. Um, and, uh, I've tried to model my career after him just in sense of how I, um, build teams, like how, then literally down to the tactics, almost like, uh, mirror, trying to mirror some of the way he, uh, kind of, uh, led an all hands meeting, you know, those types of things. Um, and to me, the, again, the big lesson for there is there's, there's kind of twofold. I think what he, he shared with me one, maybe branching off the last topic. Um, there was a moment I was so frustrated over something and, I was like getting ready for my one-on-one with him. We we're going to go on a walk and, and talk about it. And I was prepping and I was literally just like emoting so much around whatever it was that was frustrating me at the time. And we start walking and I felt like I had a good relationship with him. So I just like, l- you know, leaned into the frustration and started rattling off and talking and he interrupted me and, yeah, and calm, calmly just said, Anthony, it's just a job. Like it's wow. just a job. And it was that, that's a reminder of his style of leadership that I always appreciated, which is so organized with his time in the office, but then so protective of his time out of the office. Right. So, you know, he drives his kids to school. He, you know, is there at home at dinner when he's traveling, he gets on the red eye to get back early enough to, to, to see the kids. Um, he makes his family a priority. And that was something I've witnessed through him, um, which uh, helps me kind of set context for, for my professional life. Right. Um, so that, that was one, the second, you know, we were working on our mission for the company, like what is our purpose, all that sort of stuff. And we put together, put some language around it. 
that um, we wanted to be living proof. Gainsight still, their mission is we want to be living proof that you can win in business while being human first. And love that. It, it's such an expression of, of Nick and his style of saying, I want to be successful. I want to have ambition, but I don't want to do it at the cost of my values. I don't want to do it at the cost of, um, you know, my, my, I don't want to choose between a, a, a shareholder, a board member and a customer or an employee. Like, I think I want to take the harder road and try to uh, optimize around both. Um, and it's very hard in business, right. To find ways to do that very hard in leadership, but that that would be an ideal that we would strive towards, um, uh, every day, um, and look back on and be able to, to feel good about, about what we've done. So all of that is what, you know, Nick has emulated in my life. And, um, you know, I've, I've really appreciated just the chance to study under him, uh, you know, for all wow. those years. What powerful testimony of someone that you've journeyed with and walked with. That's not a believer, as you said, yeah. but has carried something of that truth, you know, that Absolutely. We, know is, we know is a godly biblical truth. And yet he's implemented that through a company. He's left that in your life. Yeah. Well, that's, that's really powerful. That's brilliant. And totally. Anthony, we're coming to land now, though I've got about five other questions I want to ask you. <laughs> we're coming to land and we always end up on this question. And it's kind of, you know, one of those reflective questions really, but looking back at your life and your sort of leadership journey so far, What's one piece of leadership advice you'd give your younger self? Yeah, I, th I think it, and it's a good build from Nick from that relationship that um, that at the end of the day, people are the most important part of the equation. Um, your relationships, your uh, your integrity, your ability to um, invest in the relationships and nurture them and build trust and you know develop shared experiences together whether that's as your, you know, a younger self, that's sort of coming up and trying to um, establish your network, trying to um, build your career and all that it's follow great people, follow great leaders in your life that are potentially willing to take a chance on you, or at least let you buy them a cup of coffee, like invest in that. Um, and as you sort of scale up and, and get more, you know, mature in, in, in your career journey, leadership journey, life journey, don't forget about the people that bought, let you buy them a cup of coffee and, and, you know, pay it forward, take time out of your schedule, prioritize it. Um, and, and, and spend time kind of paying it forward for, for those that came that are coming next. So that's kind of how, how I think about it. Didn't appreciate it at the time. Uh, couldn't imagine, you know, at what, 16 years old, like 17, like thinking about, you know, entering the business world, like people centricity would not have been the first, uh, go-to that would have um, popped in my head, but maybe just to, to land the plane, I, I, I do think we're called to do this. I do think as believers, we're called to, um, to live in community. We're called to, uh, to witness um, the love of the father and to um, all that we meet um, with the fruits of the spirit that, that enable us to uh, and guide us with how we should operate and live our lives. And so I, I think, I think work is, is an amazing mission field and a chance for us to live our testimony out loud. Awesome. Anthony Canada, thank you so much for spending this time with us. It's been a real privilege and we just trust that you'll uh, have a blessed next season, everything you do at Hopin and with your, with your family too. So God bless. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Wonderful Leaders podcast. To be part of the community, join our close Facebook group and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Simply look us up at Wonderful Leaders and we'll see you there.